Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Complete Sinner's Guide. I am your host, Tyler Fowler. With me, as always, Mr. Joshua Davidson. What is going on, brother man? What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, dude. Not much. So, we've been kind of discussing a lot of interesting things that we want to talk to y'all about tonight. A lot of Kind of what's been going on since COVID, what's been going on since shutdown, since we've had time to really discuss and think and study and contemplate God's Word and Jesus and Christianity and all the different things that go into it. And Josh and I were talking about it last night, and I'll give the I'll just give the floor over to him here in just a second. But it kind of blew my mind. It was almost like, and I was describing to him as like a come to Jesus moment. And he said, I would describe that as a revelation, right? And I was like, yes, that's perfect. So right. it was almost like the light was turned on, like the light bulb clicked on. And and we all know how that is. Like anyone who is saved knows that feeling, knows what I'm talking about. It's like the light bulb clicks on. You know for a fact that you've been born again. You know for a fact, like just all of this, you, you know, your life has changed. And that's what we're going to be kind of diving into tonight. But without any further delay, Josh, go ahead and just talk about what we were talking about a little bit, if you would, and just intro what why it is we're discussing this tonight. And what really brought this about? Uh, well, ultimately, the the kind of um, overall idea of what we're talking about is just kind of a, um, let's say, a, on a, on a personal basis, kind of where we're where we're at now uh, on the trail up the hill of the Lord, let's say, and the scenery that we are that we're noticing while we're walking and saying, Oh, that's definitely interesting. I didn't see that before. Now that I'm this at this point, I can look and see from this vantage point, Oh, things look a little different now. So uh, kind of just noticing the differences as we, as we walk and seeing just kind of the progression, we're getting nearer to where we want to be. Um, but also learning more and, and learning, learning in some sense, how to be ready to learn. Um, ready to 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 say I I just don't know and and be okay with that long enough to actually find out or or you know uh, what whatever other thing and it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, any one topic it's just in general having a heart of humility and and a willingness to learn and to know but that in in our Christian walk that's always a challenge because we often get to these plateaus of knowledge where we feel really comfortable with where we're at. We feel really confident with what we understand. And often we, we sometimes, we don't think about it this way because it would be defeating, but we often feel or maybe get in the habit of acting as though we've really reached that point where now we know, now we know, now I just get to, you know, live and instruct and, and do these things that there's not much, I can't, I can't, I've reached the bottom. I can't dig any further, you know, that kind of feeling. And I think that it's really an illusion when we get to that point, that plateau is, 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 it's, it's something where we, we, you know, it'd be like when you, when you backpack up a, up a hill and you reach a spot where you get level ground, you turn around and you look down, you see how far you've come and you go, wow. You know, and then in some sense, you forget to turn right, back right. around and see that the rest of the mountain is right behind you and you haven't gotten to the top yet. You're just, 
man, look at this is impressive. Look at what, look at what we can see from here kind of feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's like, aha, this, look at this, you know? So just having that feeling of, I think we've come to a place where we weren't before, you know? And when, when COVID Mm -hmm. first started and we all had to go home and everybody's just having this great feeling of uncertainty, it kind of sparks in someone this like ghost anxiety of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to, I don't know what to expect. This is really chaotic and it, it makes you feel uncertain. And we, we often don't want to chase that feeling, you know, but it's kind of one right. of those things where when you start pushing your boundaries, you might, you might feel like that a little bit. You might feel like, I, I don't know what's, I'm not really sure how to feel about this. I'm not sure I like where this is going. I'm not sure I'm enjoying this very much, but then you come to the other side of it and you say, you know what? I'm, I, I might have done that differently, but I'm kind of glad that it happened that way because I really learned X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're what we're aiming at to to, to just kind of free flow some of where where Tyler and I have have uh, explored some new territory. Let's say. Yeah, and I like the way because you sent me kind of like a little outline, and I like it because you the very first question you asked was what has God been shaking you up with, and there's a couple different things for me to be perfectly honest. I mean, I mean, just go back, go back and listen to the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, episode of CSG. And this is what Josh and I were talking about. It was very, and, and maybe, maybe give or take a couple episodes. Cause me and you did an episode right there at the very beginning or two about repentance. Right. And we were talking about that yeah. off air, how that wasn't really necessarily structured around Calvinism, but Josh knows as, as well as anybody, because he's really been with me, you know, me and him have been friends since before the podcast even took off. Right. And so yeah. really, I mean, I mean, I was a very staunch, very, very like even almost cage stage, you know, Calvinist. And now really like, and, and yeah, I mean, cause you know, Josh, you used to be a Calvinist and, and, and yeah. you're not anymore. And, and from what the thing that's really hit me and no, I have not left Calvinism. I'm still a Calvinist. I still hold the tulip and all these different things. But at the same time, I'm much more open. And that was the first thing that popped into my head whenever I read that from you, bro is that I'm more open to hear the other side. Because let me tell you something, if I only, and I'm just, let me just confess for a second, if I can do that. Like, I only read Calvinist authors, right? James White, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and, and But don't get me wrong, like, great, I learned a lot of things from him. But the point mm-hmm. that I'm trying to make is that, yes, there are some great things in other authors as well. And and we don't just get to say every single person who's not a Calvinist is a horrible person, right? Because I mean, man, I've benefited off so many things. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned personally is that I can take the good out of all kinds of different books, out of all kinds of different, and and, and I know a lot of people is going to chalk that up to immaturity, right? Like only listening to <laughs> these certain authors. But I think maybe we've all been there at one point in time, like like somebody that just sticks with one author. I, I don't know, Josh, what do you think? It, I, I'm kind of all over the place here, but, but just real quick, what do you think? Is it good to only listen, because I've heard both sides, is it good to only listen to one preacher, one person who speaks about God, or is it good to branch out and, and, and get as much and as many different perspectives as you can? Is there a danger to doing that? What, what, what's the best in your opinion, bro? Um, I, I, 
you had to ask it in that way. I um, did. I, <laughs> <laughs> the ten thoughts at once. Okay, so let, okay, let me let me let me just like rake back the foliage here. The I think that when you when you take away the two dimensional version of both sides of that thought, uh, and you look at it as okay, real life is complicated. It has a lot yeah. going on. And if you aren't paying attention and noticing what's around you, it's more dangerous, right? Yeah. But at the same time, if you're in a place where danger has been subdued, you don't go looking for it mm -hmm. unless you're ready to face it, right? So it's both sides. It really is. It's like a person who's new to the faith shouldn't be trying to investigate 10 different forms of Christianity. They should yeah. be reading the scriptures and praying. They yes. should be submitting to spiritual headship and hearing mm. what their pastor has to say, hearing okay. what the elders have to say, living and doing those things that are accord that are in accordance with the, the life of a Christian and learning first through that experience and that, that spiritual headship. That's crucial. That's actually the first model, I think, always, because we were sent out to make disciples. And becoming a disciple is the first stage. And when you're a disciple, you're going to be learning. You don't need to make that more complicated. Right. You know what I mean? But when you go to a, a place where you've, you, you've, in some sense, drunk from the well enough to get used to the flavor, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, ah, I think I have a grasp of this. You start asking more complicated questions of your pastor. And instead of spoon feeding you, he gives you resources to do the, the work on your own and says, here, go read this passage. I want to know what you think about it later. And then you have a discussion rather than him just telling you, right? Gotcha. That's when you start yeah, getting yeah. into a place where you're ready for inquiry. You're ready to, you're ready to start getting more solid food, let's say. Mm -hmm. where he's giving you a level of, of, of independence, but you're still under authority. You answer to him, but he's not spoon feeding you anymore, let's say. Right. And there, there needs to be a point where that transition happens. And unfortunately, in a lot of churches now, because of this uh, uh, preference for, let's call them topical studies, or uh, let's, you know, it was mini series and, and things like that. It's, it's very much an entry level 101 kind of uh, uh, thing, but on an ongoing basis, uh -huh. you can't have, you can't have Christians in spiritual diapers for 30 years. It's not a success. You know what right. I mean? So like you, how long were you a Christian before you started going, I'm going to go and read these books. I need to know more than this. I like the sermons, but my friend, that's not where it ends. And you yeah. started reading, you started wanting, you started getting thirsty, started getting hungry. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The drive and a desire, especially, I'm not going to mm. lie. If, if you have, if you have a more intellectual bent, you'll probably get that thirst in some sense almost sooner than you should sometimes. Um, I did. But that, 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 that doesn't necessarily equate to a bad thing all the time because it's good yeah. to learn. But then it, it, in some sense, when you're, again, like I said, having an intellectual bent and you have a, you have a very, you know, let's call it uh, uh, organized, logical kind of thinking about you. Um, and you're, you're good at organizing questions. You're good at finding comprehensive, you know, comprehension mm -hmm. and, 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 and understanding our skills that you've already gotten. You know what I mean? And you can use those things like tools, you know, at, at the ready. Right. And then yep. you interact with the scriptures. You go, aha, aha. You have these aha yeah. moments popping up everywhere. And then you think you got it and you become this kind of, uh, almost, uh, uh, self-anointed answer man is what a lot of people end up becoming <laughs> because sometimes. You had that phase. It's, it's yep. just what happens when you start Be drinking deeply prematurely, I think.
That's right, because sometimes it just comes those light bulb moments, and it did for me whenever I was first beginning. It's just it's like rapid fire almost. It's just one after another after another, and you're just like, aha, aha. And then, I don't know, it's almost, it, it, is it prideful, right? Is it almost a prideful thing? Well, like you think to yourself. Like mm. It's definitely very much like a high. Yeah. Um, to, to just, because here's the thing, um, especially let's say for somebody who has, um, a more, um, uh, intelligent or let's say, um, intellectual because you don't necessarily have to be, uh, intellectual to be intelligent. Um, sure. but if you're a more intellectual kind of high minded, highbrow kind of thinker, right. And you have this high level of comprehension and you, you like a detail orientation and you get very, uh, particular kind of thinking, right. This person is going to encounter something and have, uh, a whole slew of aha moments, right? And, and in some sense, it gives you, like I said, that high, because now you become, you exit the group of, of people who are not in the know, and you enter the group of people who are in the know. And in some sense, that membership becomes almost part of your identity, where you're like, I, I know this thing. And if you would just know this, then you could be like me or, you, you know, you only think that because you don't understand. And then we have to assume that every level of disagreement is merely out of ignorance. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's not helpful for a conversation. And it ends up sounding and feeling from the other person very much like pride. So it sounds like what you're saying is don't let a wealth of knowledge and understanding become a stumbling block knowledge and understanding is a great thing but it's something that people can trip over right like and we see it i mean i think we see this people put themselves on a pedestal and this inadvertently has become a stumbling block as they lift themselves up the further down they kind of go right yeah i think that's probably a good way of putting that but i think it's okay yeah, it's yeah. also the case that there's the opposite extreme is just as much a danger because Satan mm. likes to work in this like, you know, pendulum opposite extremes, dualistic kind of thing. That's right. right the Where you have those intellectual, high minded, highbrow kind of super pious, sanctimonious. I'm the I'm in the know. I'm, uh, you know, the like I said, the, the Gnostic man. Pharisee. Like, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. And then and then you get on the other end of that somebody who strives to be a simpleton. And doesn't want to go beyond mediocrity and thinks it's just fine to be like that and never inquires further. Okay. So you no know? progression. Like both of them, both so, of those, both of those extremes look down on each other for the same reason almost. Gotcha. So one is one extreme is arrogancy and the other extreme is what maybe Probably complacency, complacency. Fair enough. So a well, just go ahead. I, I was going to say, or maybe like some, some form of like uh uh, like self-justified apathy toward like the hunger that would be there. It's gotcha. like, well, I, I don't want to just be pursuing knowledge. I want to love the Lord in simplicity. It's like, yeah, that sounds right. It sounds nice and pious and everything, but really yeah. in practicality, yeah. this is something that actually my friend Ricky Sewell uh, wrote on his uh, Facebook earlier. He said something like, um, mm. you know, if, if, if you, if you think about it, you're, you're, when you love something, you want to know more, you want to be more involved and you want to be more intimate. And he said, studying these various topics that he's encountered in his walk as a Christian mm -hmm. for him feels very much like a love relationship with God, even in the moment of study outside of that moment of deep meditative prayer, even study can feel like worship and love. And I said, absolutely. As long as you don't get caught up in your satisfied feelings of correctness. And then, 
fall in love with theological propositions and forget all about God, you know? Yeah. Uh, right. And it's like, good luck to that person who wants to try to pursue a relationship without actually pursuing. Yeah. Because I mean, the focus then becomes on yourself, right? I mean, it gets to that point, not to say it starts out there, but if you go so long without focusing on Jesus and you focus on what you're knowing and you let it get to that point, right? Then you, mm-hmm. you've taken it off you've taken the focus off of Jesus and you've put it on yourself. You've lifted yourself up into a deadly almost maybe even form of legalism or, or at the, or at the very least pietism, right? This holier than thou attitude that I can do this because of this, right? I can do X because of, of, of Y. And, and I don't like that. I, I think that's, I think you're dead on and a balance is key because you don't want to be complacent, but at the same time, you don't want to end up like what we're talking about and how I've seen a lot of people. And I mean, I, I think I was there at one point myself is I to be, was. yeah, I mean, I really do. And well, I don't know, just be honest. Was I, was I Josh? Well, I mean, everybody has. That. I was, well, that's bro. What I mean, is every, everybody who has an intellectual bent who starts exactly. to drink from that 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 well a little deeply, but yeah. kind of prematurely, it's like you step out necessarily from underneath right. the the covering of that spiritual headship as the form of guidance and kind of like a hedging to keep you in a place right. of safety while you develop. Right. right. It's like right. why is it that babies aren't born when they're conceived? They're born when they've developed adequately to come out. It's like that's right. That protection because of the mom, she plays a buffering zone for you while you develop properly, so that when mm-hmm. you come out, you're ready to deal with what's out here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so it, right, I just right. Think and it's necessary to have that kind of. I, I think it's a covering. I think it's necessary well, to have that kind of thing. Here's the thing. I like the analogy used because the Bible uses the analogy of maturity, right? As we progress in the Christian faith, we become mature. And so a lot of the problem is, you know, a lot of people, and and again, and and you're right, people with an intellectual bent toward them want to take on more than they're ready for. It's like you are not ready for this yet. Jesus, man, the verse popped into my mind for just a second, and then it went away. But Jesus said to, I think it was Peter, about you are not ready for this yet, but I will reveal it to you, or the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you, right? And and it just shows that whenever, you know, some things we aren't ready for. So if anybody takes anything about, you know, away from what we're talking about right now, don't rush growing up too quick. Like our parents told us all the time, don't grow up too quick. And the same thing, I mean, in, in a real, in, in a real way can happen in your Christian walk. It can, and, and it can tangle you up and lead you one of those ways we were talking about, man. And I think we, you know, for me anyway, and, and this might be a little controversial bringing it up, but but Josh wrote it down, so blame him. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing, bro. I love you. I love you so much. But but so okay, let me let me let me just talk and, and just be real. So free will and determinism. There is a lot of answer people, a lot of answer men, a lot of answer women on both sides and not a lot of love, not a lot of charity, not, and, and I hear, like, I can hear them right now saying, boo, like, that's, no, you know, the, the, the truth, you know, it, it prevails. Like, truth like, divides, uh, truth divides. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to, and it's like, yeah, but, but not like that, right? Like, Blessed are the, the peacekeepers, bro. Mm. 
the peacemakers mm. even, right? When you try on purpose to bridge the gap between somebody, what you're doing is trying to make peace. There's a blessing yeah. attached to that. It's mm-hmm. a good thing. And there's no reason to be dissension, to, to, to bring dissension over things that aren't actually prime, primary, you know, and people often do that. But it's because we but see Josh, the implications of some people's views but, and we go, well, that's the most important thing. And then we, we begin to react against the person yeah. in a way that becomes inappropriate. But Josh, it's just so clear in the Bible, though, bro. Like, why can't you just get it that John six forty four teaches it and, and just stop being a heretic? Man, like, I'm not trying to characterize. I'm not trying to misrepresent. I'm not trying to straw man. I'm trying to tell you guys this is what I've experienced, right? And and, and it is. It's like it's one of those yeah. things that it's just, no, it's not. And again, whenever you're actually more open, and again, I can just hear it now, but whenever you're more open to hear the other side out and listen to the other side, then you you actually start getting things from their perspective. It, things start connecting in a way that they actually did whenever I started learning about Calvinism and actually saw all of it starting to click together. And now, you know, whenever you hear the other side, and I'm not saying, you know, everybody's got a good argument, but there are people, and thank God for them, that make you think. And those are the people who are, I mean, they're the people we need to listen to. But at the same time, if we get, if we start to think, even if, even if we disagree at the end of the day, and we can still call each other brothers in Christ, like what Josh said a minute ago, whenever we can unite over the fundamental things, the question is, is this fundamental? What we're talking about, free will and determinism is the example that I use. Is that a fundamental discussion? Is that the thing that we are honestly willing to divide over? And if it is, first of all, call me one eight five five four five zero six six two four. I got one question for you. Why? Why are we willing to divide over free will and determinism? If the other person affirms Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and their faith is in him, if the faith is there, this is what Josh and I were talking about a while ago. Again, if you didn't catch that number, one eight five five four five zero six six two four, please call me. I'm, 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 we're, we're here. Talk to us about it, right? But we were talking about it the other day. If we affirm it, is it the hows that are important of this conversation? That's because that's what we're talking about ultimately the hows of how salvation works, right? Obviously. But what's more important? Is it the hows or is it that? Is it that this thing we call salvation happens? Is that what's important? And and, and the last time I checked, it didn't matter how the faith got there. What mattered was, was that it was there to begin with. Right. And if someone's faith, the Bible says, if someone's faith is in Christ... They are a new creation. They have been born again. Why are you trying to rush them? If what you hold to is true, and this goes for both sides, if what you hold to is true, why are you so mad whenever people disagree if they're just not you know, ready to accept that yet? You know what I'm saying? Like what we were talking about earlier. Don't be too quick to grow up. Like what if that's what if that's what's dividing us? You know what I mean? But at this, I don't, I don't want to keep rambling on and on about it because I know Josh, you want to say something. But at the end of the day, here, here <laughs> this is the question that I've got, and, and and because I brought this up, because I brought free will into that's the question: Are we willing to divide 
over this in particular, this doctrine? I say no. I say no because, again, it doesn't matter how these things work out salvifically now. It, what matters about it is that it does. And whenever we get right. to see that process in somebody, bro, it's just, it, man, it's the coolest thing to be able to see my wife become more and more like Jesus, right? To live with that, to experience yeah. that on a daily level. I pray that my little daughter puts her faith in Christ one of these days, and I get to see that process all over again, right? And, and I get to experience it myself, right? That is the coolest thing in the world. And to see that with somebody else is just, and to live that with them. And so that's all I'm trying to say, that, that to bring this thing full circle, is that are we unnecessarily dividing over doctrines that are secondary? And if so, what can we do to fix this? What are the doctrines that, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are things that we should divide over. I really believe that. But is this one of them? Again, I say no, Josh, brother, you got the floor, man. Well, um, the simplest thing I could say is, is also, no, we should not. Um, I think that um, philosophical distinctions are things that people often put in the foreground because of the way that they're, again, in some sense, satisfied with their own correctness, uh, or at least the feeling of correctness. Um, but also, they're, they're, a lot of the time, it's a fear of what it would mean to say that it could be wrong. And so usually there's this insistence that there's like, there is no way that this, whatever view, A view, B view, whatever it is, the view that I hold has Mm -hmm. to be correct. So therefore, anybody who disagrees simply must be deceived or ignorant or some sort of nefarious villain who's trying to deceive the ignorant, Mm. right? And then that's where the accusations really get birthed from. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's in some sense, that's a display of immaturity. Um, because like you said, you can be confident in truth, mm-hmm. but you don't need to be arrogant about truth. Mm. And there's a difference. And I think that there's a really important difference between those things that really comes out in the acting, the living, the embodying of being that confidence when you say God is good and the atheist comes around with his cynicism and says all of these things about how God's a moral monster. And yeah. if you can't just grin back at this guy and tell him why he's wrong mm-hmm. with love still in your heart, mm-hmm. you should be silent. Mm-hmm. You should not be engaging these people because it's poison for you <laughs> and a bad witness for them. Yeah. So that's that, again, that person needs to go back under spiritual headship until the maturity comes up to the point where this, this kind of thing, this kind of, let's call it, um, you know, verbal rhetoric warfare against Christianity. That's really kind of really inflamed in the modern world, especially on the internet with this whole, uh, you know, desire for people to be like a troll and have, Oh, it destroyed this person with facts and logic kind of mic drop moment. Everybody's looking for that. And even in the Christian community, and I think it's just Mm. shameful really is. But that kind of that kind of uh, mentality, if met with aggression, is only feeding the person who's being antagonistic. But if you meet it with a grin and with love, and not not a not a false grin, you know what I mean. I'm not saying to to you know patronize the person. I'm saying that you can hear them, 
you can accept that what they're saying is absurd and then look at them still with genuine care in your heart and be like, you know what? I hear you, but I still think that you're incorrect. I, I, you know, and maybe tell them what you have is passion. Passion's a good thing, but it needs to be aimed in the right direction. Let me tell you something, right? And you can love this. It's fine to love that person, even if they're, even if they're your enemy. And guess what? We're under orders to love our enemy. You should do that. That's what you should do. Right. And how the love manifests itself is not necessarily just in the act of speaking truth, but it matters very much in what manner the truth comes out of you. That's right. That's right. Because you are a representation and a witness for the God that you claim. And that needs to matter to you in a a real way. Absolutely. And I want to get into that, bro. I really do. I want to get into that here in just a second. But first, I want to jump into 1 Corinthians 13, 4 real quick, just to remind everybody what love is. I really do. First Corinthians thirteen four. I'll read out of the ESV. This is the first time I'm switching it up, bro. I like NET is my normal to go to, but I just popped in First Corinthians thirteen. The ESV popped up. But for those who don't know what love is, here's a biblical definition: Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes, check that one out, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That's love. That's the biblical <laughs> definition of love. It, it Love is, and then it gives what love is. That's you, I hate to say it, bro, but you can't get more clear than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but I, it, I mean, you, at least explicit. Let's say it needs to be. It, it it's, explicit it's explicit about what it means. But but having having the experience of yeah. of what it would be like to encounter love in that way, but, I think is something that a lot of people have 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 not had the privilege of experiencing is love. And, yeah. In that way. And I have been on that end of not giving it so many times because I want somebody to hear or to understand the truth. That And I say that with air quotes, like y'all can't see me, but I'm doing the little two-finger thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> wink, wink, you know, but I've done it so many times, but I've not, it's not that I haven't been given love, it's that I haven't gave love. It's that I wanted somebody to come to that understanding, to force it, and just, why don't you get this? That it was just, how could they not get it? You know, like, how could you? It's like, who are you, oh man? You know, like, who am I? Right? But at the same time, you know, you don't, that uh, I and, and I hate it and and for anyone you know I've done it to my wife like so many times I've not showed mm. her love I've not shown my daughter love or my friends or my family or or people like that I've been on it so many times and I'm sorry like I repent and I'm trying to be better but th- this is important this is what love is and if you're not doing this if you're not exercising this patience, kindness. Oh, what, where have we seen those before? They're fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're the things that show that you've actually been saved, right? They're the things that show you've actually been saved. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. 
These are the things that make your light shine. And why is this important, Josh? Why is this important? Because everybody's been created in the image of God. And whenever you've been given that role, your job, your duty, your commission by God himself is to be a light, to represent him, the light of the world. That's your job. And whenever you fail at that job, it's sin and it's not good at all. Josh, I know you want to say something about the image, so go ahead, bro. Actually, I was going to circle back to what you said in 1 Corinthians. Ooh, okay, go for it. And push even a little bit further to Mm. say, not only is that chapter making an explicit description of love, you Mm -hmm. could literally substitute the word love with God. And now you see what it is you're meant to represent having his image is explicitly laid out right in front of you in that chapter so eloquently. And all of it is active description of your person and your behavior and your participation with other individuals, your relation Mm -hmm. to them, how you behave and treat and your countenance toward them. And how that that actually is, according to the end of the passage, greater than even hoping for the future or being faithful. In some sense, love is the greatest of these, whatever that means. Hmm. And in the beginning of the chapter, I think he actually gives a pretty good example of what that means practically. He says you could have everything, everything. But if you don't have love, you are literally nothing. So if answers, let's say I have all the answers, I have all knowledge, he says, I have all knowledge. I can even speak the language of the angels. But if I can't love you, I am worthless. I am so nothing. It's like, so then my, my witness, my representation toward God actually should look like God or it's not good. It's not what it is. It actually isn't what it should be. And that's the marker. That's actually the premise. Why is it that the first fruit of the spirit is always listed as love? Because the other ones have to flow from that or you won't have them. I think that that's the thing that most people are missing is that really you were literally designed and invented by God to be his representative and his relationship not only with him vertically, but also to spread that horizontally among mankind. You're supposed to be the presence of God to the people who don't have the presence of God. That's an incredible thing to think about. That's what it is you're, to use another buzzword, participating in. When you're living this out, you are incarnating the love that God has for other people, which is why Christ said, if you do this to the least of these, you're doing it for me, to me. To yeah. me. Why? Because they're made in the same image. Yeah. Yep. That goes right back to God. And I don't think that's a metaphor. I think that's real. I'm trying not to ramble on. I'm trying to reorganize because we were talking about something specific and I'm kind of trailing off into like, I, I'm passionate and this is important to me. Um, that's, and, I, and I think that that's cool because a lot of people get passionate, but we were just talking about how some people parade their knowledge. So I'm being careful about how I speak right now, I think. Um, the, the, the way that, that I think this comes together in that chapter is kind of laid out in this way. Love is most important. Why? Because you could have everything and it means nothing if you don't have the thing. 
right? Mm -hmm. What is the connection there? I don't think it's in, in Apostle Paul's writing. It's in the Apostle John writing. He said God is. His, his existence and his very being can be qualified as love. love. Mm -hmm. So if we are to represent him, him being who? Love. So what are we meant to embody? both toward him and toward one another. What are the two greatest commandments? Love God, love neighbor. There we go. It's like, okay, so what is that? What is that? Uh, what does that look like is, mm -hmm. is, is a one way of asking it or, or how do I do that? Which is the same question asked a different way, right? Yeah. How does it appear to others when I am embodying love? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, I can't answer that for myself because the fruit that God's granting me is not for me. It's for everyone else. Mm -hmm. I can, I can be benefit from the fruit God's God's planted in your life. And in fact, I have, I've benefited from you sharing what you have, what God's given you with me. Right. And you don't necessarily see that you're full of fruit, that your tree is heavy and it's, it's full. It's ready for harvest. And some of the low hanging fruit is just so ready. It's like, it falls right into my hand. And it, mm -hmm. you're not charging me a thing for it. It's freely given. It's beautiful, right? And it's almost like God's giving to me through you. It's like, what a privilege that is. Wow. But you don't get to taste that fruit. It's mine now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, that's that's a totally different thing. And I've told this to Michael before, uh, uh, Michael Moore. He, both and I are friends with him. And yeah, yeah. he's a remarkable individual, this guy. Because he's not like this lofty, I got to read 10 different scholars. It's like he reads the scripture and says, whoa, God just totally blew my mind right now. Look at this. Look at this. It's all very visual for him. Look, this is what it looks like. God, Jesus is so cool. And it's like he's just excited about everything. And it doesn't matter if it's complex or simple. It's exciting yeah. because That's it's right. real. Well, think about the Corinthians, you know, the who we just read that letter from. What does Paul say about them specifically? For consider your calling, brothers. Uh, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, right? Look right. at what you came from, dirt. This is what we all came from, right, in one sense. But seriously, look at what you came <laughs> from. And what did Jesus say, just to kind of bring this kind of full circle, but what did Jesus say, in order to get high, you've got to get low. You have to get down right. to the scum of the earth to that level. Why? Because Jesus did. It's really, really simple. Jesus, whenever—man, can you— Looking at this image of God picture that we were talking about, and whenever Jesus, who was it? Was it, yeah, it was Philip that he looked at and he said, Philip, you've seen me. Philip says to him, hey, show, show us the Father. Jesus looks at him and said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Can you imagine that right there was the pinnacle of what the image of God should be? Right there, right. in, in, in yes. flesh. Yes. And, and once you have seen me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is the, like what you said, the premise, the, the goal, the, the standard, right, right? Right there in that picture. Yeah, I, I just want right. to, yeah. That's, I, but that, I, that's what I mean is that because we, we've talked about the image of God before, uh, mm -hmm. both on the show, but also off air. Um, oh, yeah. And, and for me, 
what's attached to the the image of God is is really you know a, a series of a couple words, but one of the biggest words is intention. God's mm-hmm. intention, because you were not an yeah. accident, you are not a byproduct. You are it made. You were created. You were invented. Right? You were you. Mm-hmm. Ha- God had intention for you. And when you deviate from that intention, you're missing the standard, the mark that God has set for you, whatever that means, because I'm not you and I'm not living as you, you are. So God Mm -hmm. has something for you that he doesn't have for me or you'd be me, right? Right. Like that's what that means. You are you. God invented you. God has an intention for you. And when Mm -hmm. you don't fulfill that intention, you miss the mark. You sin. Right. That's right. That's, that's what right. that is. So it's and in some sense, that's literally separating you from the image of God that's mm-hmm. in you. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in some sense, it's you're not you're not reflecting God as, uh, let's say, a clean mirror would reflect a light. Right. That's right. It's like, that's right. It, it, go, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, and what is that reflection? It's love. This is what. We we're, we're talking about. I mean, that just kind of popped into my head, but but it is like, and, and I'm I'm sorry, but the thing that keeps coming back to mind is whenever you know someone says, "Well, love demands truth," and that statement is true. That statement is absolutely 100% true, but that does not mean that you have to be a complete ass to that person in order to right. give them in order to give them the truth that that that's don't, not what that means right and right and i don't know i don't mean to trail off there but that like i said that's no, kind of popped in well, my it's mind okay. I, you know just so everybody knows you're going full king james over here but um the, oh yeah that's the right, that, right you know, so the, the, the when, when i was when i was mentioning uh uh our friend michael right one of the things that 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 i noticed that you probably haven't noticed because you haven't had the privilege of being in the same room as this man Mm-hmm. That his countenance is one of serious concern for what God looks like to you, mm-hmm. because he always has it in the back of his head that people are watching and I need to be gracious. I'm supposed to be like Christ. And every moment that he's not like that, it is the weight of the world. Right. Yeah. And he often says, I can't see it. You keep saying that I'm a Christian, but I don't know right now. I feel so gross. How do you like, how do I like, what if, you know, and he has these moments like everybody does, but they're frequent for him because of the level of seriousness that he lives this out with on a constant basis. He's so disappointed with himself when he doesn't show good fruit. He shows something else. I know the feeling because he's never tasted the good fruit. Yeah. He's never tasted his own good fruit. That's for other people. And so he's really unaware of how fruitful he's been so far because right. it wasn't for him. Aren't, right? aren't we all, aren't we all like, that's one of the things. And I think that's where humility comes in because we're not seeking, you know, in one way that's good, right? Because we're not actively seeking. And it just shows this in him that he's not actively seeking praise from other people, right? He thinks that, you know, no, I'm not, not I'm not doing anything, right? Like, like all I see is the bad and I can relate, right? Because that's what I see whenever I look at myself. And that's another thing that me and another buddy has been kind of talking about. If you spend too much time, one practical takeaway, if you spend too much time looking at yourself, one of two things are going to either happen. You're either going to get so depressed that you're going to feel like killing yourself. Honestly, if you spend too much time, it will lead to to that because I've been there or 
you will become so arrogant and, and, and just think that you can do no wrong. And, and, and honestly, you're not being honest with yourself whenever you, whenever you do that. But the point is focus on Jesus, King Jesus, the Savior, the one who died, the sin bearer, the one who rose, the one who is reigning right now, and the one who's coming back to rule and to judge both the living and the dead. And so think and focus on him. So again, practical takeaway, don't focus on yourself too long. Focus on Jesus. And, and right. we boast and in him. We boast in him. We're not saying... We're not saying that you should not make an assessment of your faith walk to make sure that you're taking an appropriate level of seriousness. Please actively engage with making sure that you're taking an appropriate level of seriousness to being God's representative. Because again, imagine you're calling an an election. Sure. Right. Imagine we had an ambassador for our country that we sent across the world to to be our representation. And when yeah. they got there, they're cursing like a sailor, drinking and being completely debaucherous in public. And people are going, wow. So that's, that's your representative. That's your representative. I mean, think about it. Think of a company that sends a representative out. I mean, it's the same thing, right? It's ambassador or a company that sets a representative out. You send the best man out for the to, because you want your company to look good. Whenever we misrepresent God, whenever we miss the mark, we make God look bad in that sense, right? And 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 even even the Bible says that the the Jews are because of the way they live their life in the old covenant and always failing, always failing. It is said that the Gentiles blaspheme God because of them. Why? Because of the That's way right. they were acting. And so well, it's, it's even, just, it's true today too, though, but I, what's the main, what is the main complaint and charge against the church? When people say, I'm not going to church, it's full of hypocrites. Bingo. Why? Because we have made God into a mask and mm. we're, do you think let me ask you a question real quick do you think that that's why people a lot of people are well the enlightenment have like a lot of people are walking away from god atheists and 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 we see like people are spitting in the face of god i mean just the other day like i I saw pictures of and i know this you know this has happened a while back but people are becoming more openly just rebellious is because of the picture that Christians, that people who claim, hey, I'm the Christ, right? Or not I'm the Christ, but I'm the, the little Christ. I'm the the one who represents him. I am, you know, the ambassador for Christ because that is the picture that they see of God. And, and, and what is it? It's, it's, it's a picture worth mocking because we do such a bad job at representing God. I, I think you're right. I think that's true. I mean, I, I can't say in, in, in like a universal sense, all Christians no, are, all I mean, are like that. I'm, yeah, I don't want yeah. anybody to think that that's what we're saying. Um, but in a, in a more stereotypical sense, because yeah. again, stereotypes have their derivation from, you know, real life experiences or they wouldn't actually exist as stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it that the average Joe from the average church, this person who calls them, I, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. I believe the Bible, I'm a spiritual person, it's all nominal stuff, you know? It's like they're saying this because it's a cultural 
identity that they think they've centered themselves around. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, it's even in the Catholic Church or uh, even in the Protestant Church. It's like, oh yeah, we go to church because you know my parents were involved, and like that's just that's part of. There's a there's a whole stretch of the country right in the middle of America where like everybody's granddaddy is a Baptist preacher. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not from that place. People around here, most most everybody's you know I, um... uh, one of their family <laughs> members is is some kind of you know crazy obscure thing that has nothing to do with the church you know and so in california we've got such a strange dissonance from that experience we Mm. know it's like there's there's not a a big connection with the church culturally so the Mm. people who are deeply connected with the church here oftentimes it's a little bit more genuine but man they're far and few in between but when they're plentiful usually it's real shallow you know, and it's like, why is that? The, why does that become the thing? It's like, because I think that it's it's not necessarily just the case that church is a, a place where you go to get like spiritualistic kind of like, ooh, I'm getting this esoteric food in my spiritual belly, you know. Wow. But also, I am participating in a community. I am uh, uh, maintaining and uh, uh, receiving a genuine identity from the people that I'm associating with and partaking with and what it is we're doing together. When we point our attention in the same place at the same time, when we go and we gather together in the church and we're all doing the same thing together. It's like, why is that even an important thing to do at all? You know, it's like, look at what people do together. Now, what is it that the world does? What is the social world like now? It's not Mm. religious. What is it? It's party and entertainment. It's, it's self, right? It's, it's just this instant gratification yep. microwave version of life. The instant gratification of self. Right. You know? it, that, that's the thing is in some sense, living, living properly in love is almost like making the right sacrifices moment to moment, understanding that the future is a real thing and that yep. you're meant to act you're meant to actively you- engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think a good contrast, you know, like living like the world would kind of be like living for self, but then living like Christ would be like dying to self. You're trying to live for others while you're dying. You're trying to live and love others while dying to self. I mean, and 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 because here's the thing, we get this like moray in in, in American 21st century cultures. We have to love ourselves, you know, in order to love others. And it's like, I get it. But at the same time, the Bible calls us to die to self because if too much love for self, it's called narcissism. Right. And we see where that kind of (laughs) madness drives and goes. And, and we see that play out even within the church. And I'm not just trying to bash the church. I love the church. I love our brothers in Christ, right? This is the body of Christ. But at the same time, we need to really start taking our identity. Let me just put it like that. Our identity, not our role, not our, not our function, not, not our identity in Christ as Christians a little more serious. That's all I'm asking, right? And, and, and for me, too. And I'm talking to the man in the mirror because at the end of the day, if I don't apply what I'm saying to you guys, what good is it? What what, what good is it really? Right. It, it's and not. here's the thing is, is just to – Not just for to me anyway. Reminder, <laughs> yeah. Just to give a reminder or a recap for people that are just tuning in or people yeah, that have yeah. been listening to the whole time. The premise of – the whole reason we brought any of this stuff up is that first we're preaching to ourselves because this is what God's been rattling our cage with. 
Mm-hmm. That's why all this is important to us. That's why all of this is being said and we're spending an hour talking about it is because this is, this is what God has been really instilling and and poking and prodding me into the right place with this. This is the tool he's been mm-hmm. using with is showing me, look, do you not see yourself in all of the things you're disappointed with? Mm. And if mm. you can't, it's because you're not looking, not because you're not there. Because I'm full of your snakes and you're full of mine, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, there's no, there's no difference between your sin and my sin. There might be a difference in frequency. Sure. You know, but sure. you're not less sinful than I am, and I'm sure. not less sinful than you are, right? Mm-hmm. I still have the same desires and draws, and when I give in to temptation, it's no less sinful. Right. Right. And so when I look at the church and I say, you know, the church has become this thing. And then I conclude by saying, we have made it a mask. We mm-hmm. act like fakes. I, we is a pronoun that includes me. Right. Yep. So I think it, it, just in general, like this is something that does point inward and then works outward. We should yeah. be an example, not just a, a top down finger pointing That's sanctimonious right. judge. <clears throat> That's you know, right. and, That's and right. again, still, still preaching at me. Yep. Yep. And so where do we go from here? Where do we, how do we move forward? Repent. S- just stop what you're doing and repent and, 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 and try to be better. Try to do, try to love. That's what we've talked about, you know, and, and this is what, you know, like Josh was saying, this is what COVID has done to us. Is, is is got us to really think, you know, being being locked up, being on quarantine, all these, you know, Josh having COVID. I mean, I'm sure you had a lot of mm-hmm. off time, right? Even starting to get better, you had a lot of time to think, even though, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know it's foggy. Like whenever you have COVID, I know my wife, she was really, you know, mentally foggy with it. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, just from, I mean, this thing's been going on for over a year now, right? And yeah. there there has been a lot, you know, a lot of things have changed in in culture in the way we just do things and now i mean with the shift in the presidency like just all of every every all the stress that just daily life brings right where do we go we repent and we try to be like christ we 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 try you know and i I, and i don't want to say go into it with the mindset that yeah you're going to fail and that no that that to hell with that right let us be like Christ let us strive to one persuade people of the of, of of first of all Jesus's reign and rule as king right yes and two let us strive to be like him and 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 I think that's where we go we recognize our fault we recognize that we haven't been you know that we haven't loved that I haven't loved I know that I haven't loved and we move on the bible said we don't we don't we definitely don't get down and stay down and just, well, I'm done, you know, or, or quit or, or just waller in our, you know, self pity or whatever. No, we get up and we keep fighting and we strive to be better by the grace of God. You know what I mean? And, and in our last, you know, closing moments, man, just, that's what I just want to just push for is just wake up in the morning and be strive to be like Jesus you know what I mean, and and, and thank you, thank thank you for listening, and just and I I just want to encourage you, keep going, keep pushing forward, and because it's worth it, and we'll all make it in the end. 
Thank you so much, Joshua Davidson. Thank you, brother, for joining me. I have been your host, Tyler Fowler. We will see you again next week on the Complete Center's Guide. Thank you so much. Good night. God bless. And we will see you again. Peace.